You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. blessing has bestowed upon us. What can we say? What can we say? Many of us focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on that which God has accomplished on the cross and what we actually do have. If I never have anything else except salvation, I should be doing flip-flops. I should be running up and down the street praising His name just for salvation. In our world, you can't turn your head without seeing another ad telling you what you're missing. The marketing industry is centered around convincing you that you need more of something. As Pastor Dave will remind us in today's message, in Christ we have everything we need, and we need to remind ourselves of that daily. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17, as he continues his message, Who Am I? Jeremiah was locked in a dungeon, and they gave him bread and water to to eat and drink. But it took a lot of boldness, but it took a lot of faith. It took a ton of faith for them to hear from God. I believe each one of them was led by the Holy Spirit. I believe each one of them was led by the Spirit of God and had that boldness to be able to preach the Word of God, even though it came against what the king said. It came against what others said. It took a lot of boldness. So we come to the nice verses, and David's going to respond to what God had already told him. And we studied this greatly in first, uh, uh, 2 Samuel 7. But he's going to respond, and his response is interesting to me. The first thing how he responds is, look at verse 16a. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. I love this about David. I really do. Always sitting before the Lord always waiting to hear from God, always wanting to hear from God, always wanting to hear those words of love to him. And he goes and he sits before the Lord. He didn't run away. He didn't pout or sulk. How could he after that beautiful promise? He didn't demand his own way. Lord, I'm going to build you a house. I know you promised me this, but I'm going to build you a house. Instead, he went and he sat before the Lord. I don't know about you, but sometimes we hear no from God and we get angry. I mean, no. We act like we deserve something. How dare you say no? We kick dirt and go out and eat worms. At least I do, anyhow. Sad part about it is, is sometimes when we hear the word no from God, we don't listen to what comes next. If David had gotten mad at God at the no, he would have never heard the prophecy. He'd have never heard the covenant that God made with him. Sometimes we shut God off when we react to his no by pouting, holding our breath, or whatever it is. David had gone off sulking and pouting. If he'd gone off squalling and bawling, like Mark likes to say, when he first heard the word no, he'd have never gotten the blessings. He'd have never received it. 
But instead of doing these things, David hears God's word through the prophet Nathan, and he immediately goes and sits before the Lord. And sitting before the Lord, he exposes his heart in these words. In verse 16b, And he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. David is completely overwhelmed by the promises of God. He is completely overwhelmed. And he realizes that he has done absolutely nothing to deserve this promise. Absolutely nothing. David knows that only a sovereign God of grace could make these promises. And only a sovereign God with the power to fulfill these promises. Have you really ever thought about what God has done for you? If you have, I hope and pray that we all feel this way. Who am I? Who am I that you would even pay attention to me? Who am I that you would offer me salvation? Who am I that you would allow your son Jesus Christ to go to a cross for? Who am I that you would do that for after all that I've done that was against you, that was against your commandments, how I used your name in vain, how I did this and how I did that, and all those terrible things that I did against you. How could you do this? Who am I that you would even think about doing that? Shows you the character of God, does it not? Shows you the grace of God that pours out daily, comes to us. Even though God said no, he surrounded his no with all sorts of reminders of the things. Dixon, David, look at back at what I've done for you. And we need to take inventory of what God has done for us. What God has done for you and the mercy has shown you. David doesn't even know why God said no, but he doesn't care. Because look at the blessing that's being bestowed upon him. God's blessings are so more important. What he has done is far more praiseworthy. Doesn't matter what we do for God, it's what He has already done for us. Already done for us. Amen. When we truly realize what the Lord has done for us, all the blessing has bestowed upon us, what can we say? What can we say? Many of us focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on that which God has accomplished on the cross and what we actually do have. If I never have anything else except salvation, I should be doing flip-flops. I should be running up and down the street praising his name just for salvation. But on Monday night, you're going to start going through the book of Ephesians. And you read those first chapters, one, two, three, and you are going to end up going, who am I that you would do that for me? Look at those blessings you have. Ephesians 1, verse 3. God has given us every blessing through Christ Jesus. Paraphrase. Every blessing. And then he goes on and proceeds to tell you each blessing and all the things that he has done. You don't feel like David. Sit before him and let him impress you upon you. Every blessing with that attitude. God's giving reflects the greatness of the giver not the receiver. God's blessing reflects his greatness, not my greatness. It's his greatness, not mine. It's his salvation, not mine. He has granted it to me because his grace is amazing. And David says in verse 17, and yet this was a small thing to you in your sight, 
O God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree, O Lord God. David's wowed by this promise. He realizes the enormity and the ramifications of such promise. God does impossible things, and nothing is impossible for God. With him, all things are possible. We have to realize that. And God will do it. He has called you into that. He will do it. He's basically saying, do you deal with men this way, Lord, all of them? No. In a sense, he doesn't deal with all men that way because he chose David to bring his son through the world. But yet in another sense, because the sinner can trust in Jesus Christ, God, and be saved and enter into the family of God, God does deal with all men this way because we've all gotten everything that we do not deserve. You go back into Leviticus and you read the law. I mean, really, truly study Leviticus and read the law and all the particulars in the law and all the 615 or so laws and things that are in there. The scripture says if you mess up on one tittle, one small thing, you're out. Jesus Christ came to pay a huge debt, an enormous debt that we couldn't pay. And he paid it willfully. He paid it voluntarily. And in that sense... God does deal with all men that way. His grace is sufficient. His grace is poured out through Jesus Christ. In verse 18, David says, what more can David say? He's speechless. David is speechless. Here he got the poet, the poet laureate of Israel, if you want to get crazy about it. He, 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 he doesn't know what to say. He, he's absolutely speechless before God. Who am I? I don't know what to say, Lord. This is too much for me. He's almost like a little kid. And you know what? Has anybody counted how many times David calls himself your servant? Well, in the New King James, it's eight times in those remaining verses. He refers to himself as your servant. I love that. I love the way David rules himself according to God. He doesn't say, the one you appointed king. No, he says, your servant. It's a humbling thing. I'm your servant, Lord, and you're doing these things for me. It's a humble reception of God's gift. He repeats it over and over and over. So he says, I humbly accept your no, and I love the fact that you're doing this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And David really wanted to build that temple. But this is so much better. This is so much better. Verse 19, O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness in making known all these great things. Lord, your heart is overwhelming to me. And when I get a glimpse of it, I can't stand it. It's just really driving me crazy. It's really too much for words. And for your word's sake, according to your heart, he saw what a great and wonderful promise this was. It was a huge promise. It was a small thing to God, but to David it was everything because it depended upon God's word and it depended upon God's love. God always does what he says he will do. He is always faithful and just to do the things that he says in his word. Not one thing in his word that is mentioned will not come to pass. It will all come to pass. David was confident in this, just like Paul was confident to the, Ephesians, to the Philippian church. He who began the work in you will complete it. I'm confident of this. He said being confident of this very thing. There's a confidence there. It wasn't confident in Paul's ability. David's not confident in his ability. God already showed him all the wonderful things he did for him and all the things that he will do. And David said, whoa, you did all that and you're going to do all that? Whoa. 
David had confidence in God. This is where our confidence should be. Our confidence isn't in a man. Our confidence is not in a leader. Our, our confidence isn't even in a nation. Our confidence isn't in anything but Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's where our confidence should be. It should always be there. And if we're looking for other things to be confident in, you're looking in the wrong places. He says, there is none like you. Who is like you, Lord? Who is like you? I tell you, there is no one like the Lord. There is no one like the Lord our God. No one. He says in verse 21, And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God has went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out the nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Israel. Wow. You even chose Israel in your sovereignty. You chose them as a nation. Do you remember when they went to the mountain? They went to the mountain with Moses and he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. I have chosen you, Israel. I have chosen you. I have called you out of Egypt. I'm going to make you a great nation. But God wanted everyone to know him by the nation Israel and they failed miserably. So now Jesus Christ comes in and fulfills this covenant with us, and he calls all men everywhere to be saved, Jew and Gentile alike, male and female, slave and free, etc., etc. All men come now. And God says, I want to redeem you, and I want to make you my own. David boldly asked God to what he promised. He said, I want to, you're promising this, and I want it. See, and I like that about David's prayer. He knew God's promises, and he said, I want it. <laughs> I like that. He wanted to claim the promises. This book is full of promises of God. Have you claimed them? Have you claimed the promises? They're there for you. To claim the promises in your own life. Well, God, do whatever you want to do. I don't care one way or the other. That's wrong. That's arrogant. We need to say, Lord, this is your promise. I trust in you to fulfill it. I trust in you to fulfill it. I love the way David speaks to God. I really do. I love the way David has a boldness, but yet a humility to speak to God. Remember, he's a man after God's own heart. He has a heart towards God. He wants God in his life. He wants God in the life of Israel. He wants all the people to know God like he knows God. And he wants that for his people. He gives them praise for all that he's accomplished to the nation. Wow, you brought him out of Israel. You brought him into a land that you had promised Abraham that you would bring him to. You did all these things. You killed kings and drove out people. And you continue to strive with them all the time. Your amazing grace was bestowed upon your people. Out of all the nations, you decided Israel was going to be the one. Think about it. Go back and look. We studied the genealogy. We studied the genealogy. Go back and look at the sons of Noah. Go back and look at all the nations that came out of them. God chose Israel. Why? Because he's God and he can. In his sovereignty, he chose Israel. He chose Israel. He gave them his law and he spoke to them through the prophets. They've always been his people and he wanted them to be their God. He wanted to be their God. But they continue to turn their back on him. They continue to turn their back. So David prayed for the future. He believed God, and he believed his word. It's something that we should do. You have a future and a hope. Lord Jesus, come quickly. 
We have a future and a hope. It says here in the book, we know that Jesus is going to come back for us. We know that we're going to be partakers of a rapture, a time when we're caught up into the air to meet him in the air. We don't know when he's coming, but we pray it's soon. We see the end coming. We see the things that line up in Scripture about the end times, perilous times, men or lovers in themselves, and the whole thing that Paul wrote to Timothy. We see all that happening before our eyes. There's no one righteous, no one not one, even now. We see all this happening, and we need to pray these promises into being. And yes, 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 2 Corinthians 7 14 is still in play. If my people who were called by my name would humble themselves, we sang it, and pray, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face. You do those things, he says, then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. David says, build it. <laughs> David basically says, build a house. Go ahead and do it. Build that house. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, O Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever and do as you have said. David is calling God on the promise that he made. You made this promise. Praise God, now do it. I let you do it. I stand back and go, have at it, Lord. It's all yours to do. We should do that with our lives. He said he'd never leave or forsake us. He's given us a hope and a, and, and, a, and a message in our lives that we're safe no matter what happens to us. Have at it, Lord. How can we glean it? Notice that David went and faced God when he received a negative answer. And he sat before him and he worshipped him. When he was facing giants and all those kind of things, in recognition of God's promise, David was speechless and overwhelmed. When was the last time you were overwhelmed at something God did in your life? When was the last time you sat before God in an overwhelming experience and cannot believe that God did that? When was the last time? I think we take too much for granted. I know I do. We take too much for granted. And sometimes we get to feel like we earned it. Heaven forbid. We didn't earn anything. The only thing I earned was to be a crispy critter in hell. If it hadn't been for the cross in Jesus Christ, God's gift to the world, God's beloved son, David sat before the Lord. He was brought into a place of reality, and he began to claim these promises for himself and for the whole nation. And he found in his heart to pray for these blessings. God has said no to you. Remember, there's nothing your soul can ever need that is not covered by a promise of God. Everything we ever need is right here in this book. They are there for you. But we'll have none of them until we rest before the Lord and claim the promises. What is your need today? What is your need today? His name is Jehovah, the becoming one. His name is Jehovah God, the Lord. He's the becoming one. He gives us what we need. We all need salvation, every one of us. The world needs it. Do you need to be pardoned? Well, Isaiah 44, 22 says, I blotted out your, your sins as thick cloud of your transgressions. Do you need God's peace? Jesus said in 14, 27 of John, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Paraphrasing. Look at Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in every way you shall go. I will give you with, guide you with my eye. What is it that you need? 
Sit before God and claim the promises that are in this book and be overwhelmed by his wonders. Be overwhelmed by his grace and his mercy. Be overwhelmed that he continues to pour out his love upon you even in the midst of your backsliding or your sin or your problems. Even in a time when you're faithless, he's faithful. He can't deny himself. My goodness, we should, I don't know, sometimes this kind of stuff should drive us to our knees. It should just drive us to our knees. There's not one need in any one of our lives that isn't covered by a promise in God's word. There's not one need. He has put it into our hearts to ask him that he might give to our heart liberally. Not because of ambition. Not because of what I've done. Look what I did for you, Lord. Look what I did. Not because of that. But because of his grace. Because of his mercy. Because of his love, he brings us close to him and he shows us his heart. And he looks at you and he goes, my child, how I love you. I loved you so much that my son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross so that you and I can have a relationship. So that you and I can fellowship one to another. That you would be my child and I would be your God. And you would worship me in spirit and truth. And the things that you see in your life, don't worry about them. Because I got them all under control. I got them all under control. And I have a plan for you. And it's going to work out just the way I have it measured out for you. And it's going to work out. So be of good cheer, my child, my loved one. Be of good cheer. I'm with you. I'll never leave nor forsake you. I'm not going to back out of this deal because the deal is only one way. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep the covenant because Jesus made the covenant and he kept the covenant on the cross. As he pulls you close to him, you should well up. You should tear up because he loves you so. Creator of the universe, the God who spoke and it came to being, the God who calls things that are that didn't exist before. He just spoke, loves you with that kind of love. If that doesn't draw us to say, who am I? I don't know what will. I love the opening of Casting Crown's song. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to see my hurt? Who am I that the bright morning star would choose? Oh, it goes on and on. Sit before God and allow him to just lavish you with that love pull you close to him. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. He's already demonstrated it on a cross. Remember that. Amen? Amen. Father God, thank you for this time that we had in your word. Lord, it is overwhelming to me when I look back on my life and I see where you've brought me to and how you've placed me in this spot tonight. And, Lord, you do use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's incredible, Lord. And I continue to ask, who am I? Who am I? So, Lord, thank you. And, Lord, we do sit before you and receive your love in the most special way. So, Lord, be glorified in this place. Guide us and lead us by your hand, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are. Sure.
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. And in today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of First Chronicles. In this book, we witness the kingship of David. What was it that made David such a great king over Israel? No doubt he was a mighty warrior, full of faith and courage. But that's not what made him so great. His greatness came to him because he followed God. When a choice was before him, he went first and asked the Lord what to do. When you face choices in life, what is it that you do first? It might be tempting to first look at finances or talk to a friend. But if you want to be great like King David, seeking God and his wisdom is the first thing to do. As we progress through the story, we'll see times that God sends David into war and others where he directs him to avoid war. We can only know God's direction by seeking his face. Here at Assure Hope, we'd love to do that with you. Are you facing a difficult choice? We'd love to seek God's face in prayer with you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. Once again, that's info at capewatchradio.com. Or you can call us at 609-884-5821. That phone number, again, 609-884-5821. Well, we've come to the end of our time together for today. We'll be back, though, and we hope to see you again here on Assure Hope. Show.